0: There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. This week, our focus in the Return Reflection Journal is Return to Me with Weeping. And it's another element of the Joel prophecy. This week, we kind of ponder the reality of, of lamentation, a biblical reality, which is just that acknowledgement that things in life haven't always gone exactly the way we wanted. And sometimes we sit in kind of a tense place with the things of our lives that have either fallen apart or just didn't end up the way that they could have or should have. Often we, we feel this strange tension like, I, I love God, I know God is good, I've had these places of suffering and I'm not sure how to be honest about them or how to name those things to God. Sometimes we can hesitate to be like angry with God or not knowing what to do about the places where we do feel upset with God. A, a way out, a, a real remedy is, is weeping, actually, is lamentation. Lamentation is this profoundly biblical activity within which the people of God cry out to God about the things that God either didn't do for them or the things that God let happen to them or the way that God chose to do things when they they wanted them another way. See, there's a little tension of like, I don't want to uh, curse God. I don't want to uh, reject God. And so I can't really cry out against God. When in reality, the the biblical work uh, of lamentation is an acknowledgement that just things just haven't really been exactly right things haven't been exactly the way that i wanted them but i i still believe like beneath the work of lamentation is actually an act of faith which is to say god i believe you could have done things differently things in my life weren't exactly the way that i want them but i believe in you and i believe in what you're doing and so i I wish you would have done something else it's a it's actually cathartic in the true sense what, what lamentation does, it drains out some of the places of sorrow and bitterness where we feel this tension, not sure how we ought to express ourselves to God. So one of the things that, as we pray this week that I just want to invite you to is to sit down in some of the places of, of grander sorrow, places where life isn't just what you'd like it to be, and, and be unafraid to lament that to the Lord. Be unafraid to be very honest about that. Uh, the Israelites would do this very frequently. When you go through the Psalms, a large portion of the Psalms something like a third of them, some people count even more, are lamentation psalms, wherein Israel is crying out to God that he didn't show up or he didn't do what they wanted or that he left them to be crushed by their enemies. All these different sufferings they experience. The reason it's also important is because we're, we're working now in these several weeks that lead up to Easter to relate our stories to the story of Jesus Christ, to the narrative of the Paschal Mystery. And in the midst of that is the grand suffering of Jesus Christ, who was unafraid to cry out to his Father from the midst of suffering, but also this desire that we bear to be able to come into communion in these sufferings. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The particular aspect of the sufferings we're going to focus on from the Paschal Mystery today, or this week, is Good Friday. Good Friday. What follows Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday, we focused last week on um the, the different ways that we would experience rejection in our lives, or the different ways we the different ways we experienced a betrayal, and to relate to Christ in those. This week now we, we reflect even more deeply upon places where we have encountered grand uh mockery, grand torture, physical suffering either inflicted by other people or it would seem inflicted by God. Places where we've just suffered in ways that are, are, are crushing us, grinding us into the ground. The reason we want to reflect on these this week is because, again, like we did last week, we want to relate them to Christ. We want to meditate upon this part of his passion so that we're ready for it when it comes. Today and this week, we reflect upon Good Friday, upon what happened to Christ as he <clears throat> stood before the tribunal, as he was mocked by the soldiers, as he was tortured, as he carried his cross, as he was crucified. See, in all of that, we find this very significant lesson about what we often call the permissive will of God. This comes about especially for us in meditating upon the crucifix. And the archetypal of the prime truth that we have to hold on to is that the Father, being a perfect heavenly Father, did not prevent all of the things that happened to his own perfect and only begotten Son. See, we think of God as being this perfect God, which he is, but then we say, well, God, you let all these things happen or you didn't stop them, so how could you be perfect? Or how could you even be a good God? You weren't even there for me. So what kind of God really are you? And in that place of tension, we often have a very difficult time relating to God and relating in our sorrows to God. So what we have to do is follow the saints. So many saints uh, would write up very beautiful prayers or even were depicted by, by um, some of their biographers as coming before a crucifix and just beholding the Lord upon the cross and, and letting themselves weep let themselves ponder just the beauty of his own suffering. The fact that he willfully endured this for us, and that as he endured it, on the human side of things, there had to be this experience of like, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Like what was going on in the heart of Jesus in that place of abandonment, that place of torture, that place of everything that led up to death is worth our consideration this week, because it's a place in which we can relate to Christ and Christ will relate to us once again. It's a place where we discover that there are things that God has allowed to happen, he's permitted, that we would prefer had not occurred. Like Christ in his humanity would probably say, I would prefer not to have to suffer this cross. He would say, I would prefer, Father, that this cup pass from me, but thy will be done, not mine. See, this this type of prayer brings us out of the tension of not knowing what to do with our resistance of God It allows us to push back a little bit against God, to acknowledge, to cry out, to weep, even to be angry with God, but to do so framed by an awareness of the fact that once again and in all things, Christ has gone first. That Christ himself experienced the Father doing something that he would have preferred would have gone otherwise. He experienced the Father permitting some evil. But the key for us is as we engage this confrontation with the evils that we carry in our own stories, It can grind us into the ground, it can be excruciating, but we do so in the backdrop of the broader narrative, knowing where all of this points. See, the father permitted this death, which was unjust. It was a torture, a betrayal, a mockery, a murder. The father permitted this, not for the sake of the suffering as an end in itself, because the father knew how to use what was going on in this wickedness to bring about something else, ultimately the resurrection. St. Augustine would say something very similar to this or would name this principle. He says, God is so good that in his hand, even evil brings about good. It's a crazy thing to ponder. He says, God is so good that he would permit these evil things to occur because he's able to bring about something through them or because of them that would not have occurred had it not been for the evil itself. So had Christ not been crucified, the resurrection wouldn't have occurred. God the Father will allow certain things in our lives to occur, not because he wishes us to suffer and that's that, Because he sees that by this evil, some pathway to open up some greater good is becoming a reality. And so we can kind of, here again, lean back on confidence in the pathway of Jesus Christ. We can say, okay, Jesus, in the flesh, in, in the chronology of the passion, you endured a tremendous suffering. And in that suffering, it felt like the Father had abandoned you. And you probably had to grapple with this question of why couldn't it have been another way, at least in your humanity? And so Christ, I've experienced those things myself. How can I relate to you more perfectly there, Lord? Lord Jesus, come into the places where I've been tortured or I'm currently being tortured by sufferings that are not fair, even if they're just sufferings of ill health or if they're sufferings of people who have, have physically, sexually, emotionally abused us, violated or destroyed us, infliction that that the Father could have prevented, but he didn't. Why, Father, did you not stop this? But as we let ourselves kind of engage that, we're doing so by relating to Christ as well. So it doesn't become, once again, this isolated suffering. It becomes suffering with, suffering in communion. Because once again, as last week, the same principle applies here. We're coming out of a place of isolation and bringing Christ into these dark places, knowing that Christ is the light of the world and that the darkness, as John's prologue tells us, has not overcome the light. I mean, the reality is just that in life, so often things don't go our way. Let me just pull out of the scene here and set you in the setting that I'm in. We're in the desert here, huh? But it's raining. And so like rain in the desert is kind of weird. It's not the perfect setting for uh, the video that we would like to present to you. It's not quite the way that we'd like things to be. But maybe that's actually even in just like the silliness, and the simpleness of this video, it's a reminder to us that Often it's actually better when things aren't the way we want them to be. That if we endure all these things with God and we let God speak into the slight discomfort or the grand discomfort, we realize that even in his permitting certain things to go askew or astray, he's working out his good plan because he's actually able to work out all things for the good of those who love him. So I just want to name that because yeah, this is kind of a funny setting. I wish you could see the whole scene around us. And As it's raining in the desert, uh, things aren't quite the way they should be out to god that and say praise the lord let's go even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me see praying this way and engaging the mystery of the passion especially engaging the movements of the chronology of the paschal mystery prepares us for what's coming which is the celebration of these mysteries liturgically but it also gives us a way to relate to god in the midst of them now which then becomes for us a familiar pattern for how to endure every suffering that is yet to come. We know that evil fits into the hand of God. We know because of Jesus Christ, the condition of possibility for all good things. We know that when we weep, when we lament, when we let out some of that energy built up of defensiveness and a posture of uncertainty before God, as we allow all that to drain out, we actually come into communion with Christ. That we can come to the foot of the cross and adore Him there. We can see his blood spilled for us. We can see his body given up for us. And what we see there actually is the fact that he's taken his words from Holy Thursday and he's making them real for us on Good Friday. And so as we adore him on the cross and we relate to him in our own sufferings, even the experiences of total betrayal and torture, we're discovering what it is to weave our lives not only with his passion, but also with the Eucharist. And we're starting to live actually what we mean when we say Eucharistic life a life that encounters not just the fruit of all of that in the Mass, but a life that allows ourselves, within which we relate to the sufferings of Christ, that we discover a communion with Him there so that our celebration, Eucharistically, but also at Easter, our celebration is more complete and more perfect because two stories that once were digressing are now united.